Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JB Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Okay, so disclaimer, this is like you put at the beginning of like movies, like PG-13 and stuff. The song we're going to talk about, the theme's a little edgy. So it's about a girl at a peep show. Yeah. But it leads me uh, to the concept, how often do we sing? stuff that we don't even realize because the hooks are so good yeah. this has hooks for days yes. and maybe too early to throw out a hot take but i like the pre-chorus on this as much as the chorus it's beautiful. when i heard the pre-chorus i, I was like w- i could do an episode on just the pre-chorus yeah. and then there's an amazing chorus to go with it yes um so anyway such a good song rob tell them what we're talking about play a little bit of it and let's jump straight in We're talking about a classic from the 80s. This is She's a Beauty by The Tubes. Not No Easy Way Out. (laughs) Man, those guitar tones, dude. Oh, good. They don't make them like that anymore. They actually do. It's just called like the tube. She's a bee. It's called she's a bee. Cute. Don't be shy. Because you will not believe your eyes. She's right here behind the glass. You're gonna like her because she's got class. You can look at Here's that pre-chorus. Everything. Oh Come on, goodness. just give it to me. Goodness gracious. Pump it in my veins, even. <laughs> She's a Beauty by the Tubes from the 1983 album Outside Inside, written by Fee Waybill, David Foster, and Steve Lukather. Yes, David Foster and Steve Lukather. Not bad. That's a good cast there, kids. And we're going to talk to Fee Waybill, who is the voice, the co-writer of this song, lead singer of the Tubes, and a real character oh, in music history. So, absolutely. Uh, Happy birthday, Phil. This is not planned. Or you said fee, Phil. Phil, fee. <laughs> Happy birthday, Fee. Yeah. Uh, I did. I combined Fee and Waybill. Yeah, uh, did. We did not plan this on your birthday week, but yeah. there you go. Happy there birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. That's back-to-back birthday week. That's right. And Fee, I'm going to go ahead and spoil a little bit of this, and I'll tell you why. Fee is one of the three most important people in the world. Okay. And that is the truth, <laughs> and I'll tell you why when we get there. Um, man, uh, so I gotta say, this was a song that was kind of locked away for me that, um, I wasn't fully, um, I didn't fully remember until you were like, you know, that song, she's a beauty by the tubes. And I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and then you sang it for me. I still didn't know it. (laughs) Cause I'm a wonderful singer. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's right. Just no pitch at all whatsoever. He's like, you good to talk to a pretty girl. And (laughs) why would uh, I lie? No. Why would I lie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then I but then I put it on in the car and I went, oh my gosh, yes. I, I it just it, it had to get unlocked for me. Um and since then, I'm telling you, probably every three days the song gets stuck in my head. That's amazing. It's it's one of my favorite It's the dance with me of this uh yes. of this uh Yeah, this season, season or this era. This even. era, that's the word it, I was like. Th- I was gonna say this is one of my favorite like you know, rediscovery songs that we've covered. Uh-huh. You know, some of these, there's a few of these that are like, uh, I wasn't as familiar with until you were like, hey, we should do whatever. Um, and this this was one of those that I, I just went, 
ha, ha, give it all to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, I, dude, I just, I love the song, everything about it. Uh, it went to number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the U.S. Top Rocks tracks, and number 58 for all of 1983 on the Billboard Hot 100. Big, big song here from the Tubes. Part of a sort of shift in direction for them or shift in uh, focus, and that focus would have been making hits and making money <laughs> as opposed to barely being able to cover their expenses, which we'll, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, really cool thing here. You know when you have uh, David Foster on board that you're going to get some interesting musical stuff um, and, and probably a random key change or two. Uh, and that is definitely the case in this song. The verse, the pre-chorus, and the chorus are all in different keys. It's like it's like the Miles Finch of Elf. Like you know you're going to get a hit. Yeah. Like it's like it's just true. bring in David Foster. Yeah, like, in the '80s, Foster uh, and and Foster and Lukather were doing a lot of stuff together. We talked about. Uh, let's see, what song have we talked about before that Foster Saint and Lukather co-wrote? Saint Elmo's Fire, that's right. And then Lukather co-wrote uh, George Benson. Um, Turn Your Love Around. Turn Your Love Around. And, of course, a ton of stuff. And Lukather's co-written so much stuff that he doesn't uh, even get always credit for it. Um, he, you know, gets credit for a few big hits, but he's co-written Most on everybody a knows stuff. he did stuff with Michael Jackson and that kind of thing. Sure, But yeah. after that, and obviously Toto, who he's yeah. a member of. Right. But after that, he kind of gets lost in a lot of the stuff that he's really done. Yeah. But he's been a part of crafting some of your all-time favorite songs, Absolutely. for sure. It, you know, and not only that, but like, it, even as a studio musician, he's responsible for crafting a lot of your favorite yeah. songs because, you know, they go in and they they have a chart and there's an idea, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But then, he, but then he and the other guys are coming up with the parts that, that really kind of make the song what yeah. it is in a lot of cases. Um, so, and he played on this track as well, if I'm not mistaken. We'll get the to guitar the guitar solo, yeah, yeah, at okay. 2.14. Yeah, some great tones on this, great guitar stuff. And that chorus, and, and the pre-chorus, but the chorus is just totally undeniable. Like, you know, the first time you hear it, this is a hit, period. Yeah. It, it doesn't, there's no way around it. This uh-huh. is definitely a hit. Uh, even if you've never heard it before. And it's one of those, how has nobody hit this, used this melody before yeah. with this chorus concept, but it's perfect. Yeah, and what a line. Uh-huh. Don't fall, Don't in, fall love. in love. That says, yeah. if you that's if you had to put the, the, the whole song in mm-hmm. pill form, that's yeah. it, Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, but don't fall in love. Uh-huh. That tells you the whole story, yep. right? Um, and, and Fee's going to give us the, 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 the more complete version of the story. We'll let him tell it in just a little bit. Um, but I, I do want to examine... Uh, the the verse, pre-chorus, and chorus. Okay. So the the verse is in the key of A major, um, and then the pre-chorus is going to go to B minor, pre-chorus, okay. and which you could technically do and still be in A major, but it really shifts its tonality to the key of B minor okay. and the chords that surround it. So it's like B G A B minor, uh, you know, B, B minor G A B minor. I think there's an E minor in there too as well, which all all fit with that uh, B minor tonality. Um, and not in the key of A. And the, and melodically, it shifts to fit those changes. Then he goes, she's everything you dream about, which is a C, C chord, chord. Um, which leads us to the key of G. It's an outlier. So it's, it's going to go down a whole step, if it's what you're saying. From if, the verse to from the, the verse chorus. To the chorus. Yes, okay. that's right. So you get verse in A, up a whole step to B minor, uh-huh. down two steps to G, G major. From where you started or, in the verse. Yeah, or John, one step from where you started in the verse. So it's really interesting. And that C chord is an outlier that doesn't belong in the key of B minor. Um, it's a flat two chord in the key of B minor. Or A, because it should be either a C sharp. That's right, yeah. So, uh, but the melody makes it work. She's everything you dream about, which is a G mm-hmm. note. And Over is the a fifth of a C chord. And also the root of the chord that you're going that you're into. Heading to. So that note really makes the whole thing work. Yeah. Um, so let's listen. Let's go to the second verse, and then and then uh, we'll I'll lead you through it. And then, of course, at the end of the chorus, at the end of the chorus, it just goes back to A. They're like, all right, we're in A again. Go. <laughs> so we're in A. D over C sharp, technically. So now we're going to go from A to B, B, B minor, G, A, B minor, B minor, B minor, B minor, G, A, B minor, G, C, 
And we're in CBAG. Back in G. Isn't that weird? But it totally worked. The melody makes it work, uh, you know, and, and David Foster is brilliant with that kind of stuff. If That's you awesome. want that, that call <laughs> David Foster, you know. Um, the, the, it's, it's crazy though, how the melody really makes that work. And you get, um, on the pre-chorus, you get B minor, uh, you can look inside another well, you can talk to a pretty girl, you get B minor, she's everything. The chord is G right there. She's everything you dream. So the G chord, which will be the one of the chorus key, uh, the G chord allows that C chord that's coming next to not feel weird Mm -hmm. because a C and a G are a fourth apart from each other. And so even though that C chord doesn't belong, it feels different, but it doesn't feel wrong. You know what I mean? So really just that's cool. Some genius work. It's like seeing the insides of a Swiss watch on these. You know what <laughs> I mean? Good. It's like all these little gears are turning, and this one makes this one go, and this one is the precision thing. And it's like <laughs> I brought my version of Doc Brown to interpret it. Nice yeah. job, Rob. That was good. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about the video? Shall okay. we talk about the uh, yeah, video? Yeah, yeah. He's a carnival barker. Go ahead. Yeah. Talk about it. So it stars, uh, you know, the, obviously the band is playing, but it's in the setting. You get Feeway Bill, uh, the lead singer, as sort of a carnival barker. That's that's. It's pretty literal. It's not literal based on the subject material of the song, but it's the same sort of thing. Step right up. Don't be shy. You know what I mean? And they're, It's a PG version for the theme of the song. Like yeah. the video, they do it in a real PG it's way. It's getting so. the point across yeah. in a cartoonish kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, th- their original plan uh, was to do like a freak show thing, but it was too edgy. It yep. was too much. Even in this version, and I think Fee talks about this too, there was some stuff they had to tone down from mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. It features uh, Alexis Arquette, who's the sister of David Arquette. That's right. So uh, Alexis Arquette... Um, was 12 years old at the time and known as Robert Arquette. She later appeared in the movie The Wedding Singer uh, as George, the boy George impersonator who sings Do You Really Want to Hurt Me in uh, The Wedding Singer. Um, and uh, so Alexis ended up in the video because of the group's Toto connection. So um, Alexis's sister is Rosanna Arquette, who is the namesake of Toto's Rosanna. arguably biggest hit, Rosanna. Uh, who was dating Steve Porcaro of Toto, the bandmate of uh, the co-writer Steve, Steve Lukather. Lukather yeah. Okay, so Rosanna uh, was also friends with the guys in the tube. So Alexis ends up in the video uh, as Robert Arquette and uh, and going through that whole thing there. And I think we talked with Fee about how 20 years later, I saw him in 2001 Deuce, uh, at the Wild Horse, and he still wears the Carnival Barker outfit. Oh, you, you saw them live? No, 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 I didn't see them. Oh, I saw okay. a video of him doing it live. Okay, so, okay, yeah. yeah. He still kind of suits up. And that was a theme for them. We might as well get into, especially in their earlier days, going to a Tubes concert, like – don't let this song fool you about who the tubes were. Uh-huh. Okay, this is who the tubes were at the time. Uh-huh. But prior this is to this, commercial tubes. Exactly. This is David Foster tubes. Uh-huh. This is the the second album. The, the album before this, I believe, Todd Rundgren did and co wrote a bunch of the stuff and produced it. And then they brought in David Foster. Um, and it was a a decided intentional shift toward a more commercial vibe. Early stuff from the tubes is not this. No. It's more like, I mean, their first big hit and still one of their biggest hits was called White Punks on Dope. Um, it, it, it was raw. It was edgy. They had these really elaborate stage Actually, shows. Actually, Al Cooper produced their first album. But, uh, no, but I mean, the, 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 the one before this. Though. Okay, okay. Todd, yeah, yeah, Todd Runner. Todd Runner um, um, the one before Inside Outside mm-hmm. or yep. Outside Inside. Sorry. Um, but they, they had these huge elaborate stage shows with full-blown costumes dancers he would like sawed women in half i mean it was crazy it was it was something akin to like if you think of rocky rocky horror picture show but like an r-rated version maybe even (laughs) x-rated version of the rocky horror picture show um and so there were these like uh san bay area legends of like hard edged rock and roll um and they're they have a live album uh, which is called uh, "What Do You Want Live?" Is that "What Do You Want from Live?" I think is what it's called, um, and it's just—I mean—totally unfiltered. Uh-huh. They did. <laughs> there was a thing uh, where there's a story where Cher showed up to watch them at some show, and this was even—I think maybe even later in their career. I can't remember. They anyway, they they gained a lot of local no- notoriety in the region, and Cher shows up to one of their shows, and they did this thing called—I think it was called Rock and Roll Terrorist. 
and it was it was about a bomb threat as part of the show a bomb threat gets called in to the building and it was so realistic that Cher left. Um, she thought it was real, but it was just this like fourth wall breaking. Yeah. There was a, there was a, a part of their act where fee would beat up members of the audience. They, they had people planted in the audience and he would just go beat the crap out of them as part of the set. Like, San Francisco's finest everyone. Yeah, man. So like, um, and so at a certain point, it was even hard for them. He he had a character named Quay Lude. His name, <laughs> okay. And Quay Lude would throw um, fake cocaine and pills at the audience. Uh, he would cut women in half, and he would dress quite rudely. And that's all I will say about yeah. that. If you want to look up Quay Lude, that is on you. Okay, yeah. don't let your kids do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, um, oh, and at, at the end of the show, like the finale of the show, uh, I think it was while they were doing White Punks on Dope he would be killed by a stack of falling amplifiers. Like they, you know what I mean? It was just this, it was a big thing, but their early stage shows made it hard for them to appear on TV and to do long tours because their touring crew was more than 20 people deep and their setup was really complicated. So like, uh, they got booked for Saturday night live once, but they couldn't slash wouldn't do it because they wanted to do multiple songs to show how their set ran and like, because they had these, like all these intricate transitions, they were one of the first bands to have like a uh, video synced up behind them. Uh, all these, all these things, which leads me back to the video because the guy who choreographed their stage show was also the guy who shot this video and who is a very famous director. His name is Kenny Ortega. You may not know him by name, uh, unless maybe you have seen Michael Jackson's, this is it which was the documentary of what was supposed to be Michael Jackson's last shows at the O2 arena in London before he died. And they, they um, released a documentary of basically the tour rehearsals and stuff like that. Um, and Kenny Ortega is all in it because he's doing the choreography. He directed the film. And uh, so he's a huge part of it. He's like in there in person, he's talking to Michael Jackson, setting up stuff. And uh, so Kenny Ortega was choreographing their live shows. They had full-blown dance, you know, things. I mean, he it was also just, directed Dirty Dancing, Pretty in Pink, St. Elmo's Fire. Like, no big deal, come on. right? Yeah. Uh, Newsies, Hocus Pocus. Uh, yeah. Come on. Now's the time he's, to seize the day. Literally, he's, he's a Disney legend. He's a, uh, he has some special, um, I can't remember what, it's not an award, but like some special distinction as a Disney something another uh, because he did Newsies, Hocus Pocus, High School Musical, um, all for Disney. And I think he did the descendants like, so, so he's like a Disney director legend. legend. But, um, so anyway, early tubes is not this version Correct. of the tubes. Okay. Um, I heard somebody say they thought white punks on dope was white pumps on dope. And they're like, man, these guys are ahead of their time. Like before Reebok, white pumps, oh, like, Reebok pumps. like how funny. did they know that was coming? like white pumps on dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listen to this. This is a great story. When their first record deal was up, I think they ended up with Columbia for these records. Um, but when their first record deal was up, oh no, yeah, yeah, they were with AM. Capital is who they ended up signing with. Uh, when their first record deal was up, they intentionally insulted the executive at AM so as to make sure they were let go. They like, wanted to get fired. They wanted to get out of the record deal. And so they insulted. They basically told the, the, uh, the executive at A&M that he had no taste in music. And the guy's like, get out of my office, you know, whatever, <laughs> with this big cigar. Yeah. Get, get the nerve of these guys. <laughs> and so then they go and they sign with Capitol Records, and they sort of tone down their act and, and focus on, you know, trying to make some money uh, because it, they're, they're – their stuff was too expensive to sustain, even though it was, you know, um, becoming legendary. It was too expensive to, to sustain. Shall we meet the band? Let's meet them. Let's meet these tubes. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, guys, let's meet the band uh, that played on this track. Um, we got on bass, which the bass sounds fantastic in headphones. Mm -hmm. Please wear headphones when you hear this, guys. Rick Anderson on bass. Um, on synthesizer, Michael Cotton. On percussion, Mingo Lewis. On Not to be confused with Mungo Jerry. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Play Mungo Jerry. Now. Um, on drums, 
uh, Prairie Prince, also in Jefferson Starship, did stuff with Richard Marks, Dick Dale, Brian Eno, Glenn Fry. Wow. So big time drummer um, with Prairie Prince. Um, on guitar, um, nicknamed Sputnik, we got Bill Spooner, um, plays guitar also in the Sponge Monkeys and the Folk Ups. And has the folk ups. The folk ups. That's, That's great. a great name. Has three solo projects as well. Uh, Mal de Mars was my favorite. I tried to listen through some of them. That was my favorite. Another guitar player, multiple guitars on this. Roger Steen on guitar, um, and the guitar solo, which we mentioned. I think I'll end the band with that. Um, okay. On vocals and mixing, uh, Fee Waybill, who stick around to the end. You're going to love the interview with him. On keyboards, Vince Wellnick um, played with the Grateful Dead in the '90s. So keyboard player in the Grateful Dead. Another one of our famous favorite uh, played with the dead, Bruce, yeah. around the same time. Yeah. So, um, and the guitar solo and writer who we mentioned, uh, Steve Lukather, minute two fourteen of the song. If we want to take a listen to the solo, yeah, let's do that. Um, let's hear hear a little Steve Lukatherness. <laughs> Lukather-esque solo. It's a little <laughs> different from what we normally hear. It's Not a little as much, wild. It's a little wild. It's a little, uh, to throw back to last week, a little C.C. DeVille sounding to yeah. me with the yeah. the the dynamics. Lots of the, of the wow, wow, yeah, wow, yeah, wow, yeah, wow kind of, of stuff. Whereas Lukather's more known for melody and uh, speed. Yeah. Like a lot of his solos are just really fast, whereas yeah. that one's just a little, little different. But I like it. I it's, love any solo that ends with... A little, uh, just a little bit of whammy bar action on there. I'm in for it, dude. That's what I never use a whammy bar when I play, but that's when I miss it. Is I, I don't either because I feel like I yank my guitar out of tune all the time. Even mm. when I play with the Wolfgang, I don't know. I just I'm nervous about it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's that's my that's the thing for a whammy bar for me is just that subtle <laughs> on chords and everything. I just love it. Um, let's see. I, okay, so I, I mentioned earlier. That uh, Fee Waybill, a.k.a. John Waybill, uh, he was nicknamed Fiji because of his curly hippie hair, uh, of which there was a lot, and Fiji got shortened to Fee. Um, he was initially a roadie for the band, as I understand it, and ended up, they uh, were, were, can't remember if they were needing some extra vocals on something, or anyway, somebody suggested, like, hey, bring Fee in and let him, you know, do this, and so anyway, he ends up becoming that's awesome you know, that's sort of the face of the band um had this character quaalude of course um but uh i mentioned earlier that he is one of the three most important people in the world let's talk about it let's talk about it you're actually wearing a I'm shirt wearing a san dimas high school football rules shirt san dimas high school football san rules, dimas high school football rules which is of course from bill and ted's excellent adventure uh the closing closing scene uh in which they're giving their like um they're about to give their big uh, project, you know, speech, and uh, this guy is saying, "You know, everything is there's just computers, and everything is more monitor than before." <laughs> and he gets stuck. He's like a football player. And San Diego's high school football rules. That's important because um, there are three characters in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure who are called in the credits the three most important people in the world. Those people are Clarence Clemens of the E Street Band. Martha Davis of the Motels and Fee Waybill of the Tubes. They are the characters uh, to whom Bill and Ted get introduced in the future. They're floating on the ground. Um, Fee is the one who is a white male, yeah. and um, and they are the you know when they have that big serene, you know they get to the future where everything is set right, and they get the. Um, you know, they're like, dude, I think they want us to say something, dude. You know, and that's where you get uh, be excellent to each other. Party on, <laughs> Party dudes. On dudes. Yeah. It's that scene. And they are the people who basically um, sort of commission Bill and Ted to go set things right. Um, and they are and they're the people who sent Rufus to help, you know, help him along. Um, and so literally they are like in charge of everything. Uh -huh. They are the they are the three most important people in the world. One of those is Feeway Bill from the tubes um, because of his association in the Bay area. You know what I mean? It's, it's San Dimas. It's, and we talk about how they're called San Francisco's finest. Like let's think about all the groups in the eighties 
that were from San Francisco. Right. I mean, you got Jefferson Airplane, yep. Journey, Journey no big Sly deal. and the Family Stone, Steve Miller. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And they're called San Francisco's finest yeah. at the top. It's they crazy. really are a wild ride. Yeah. Like, if, if you want to just... They're a unique um, uh, thing in in music history, the tubes, and uh, and Fee is still doing it. We'll talk to him and about if his you new love album. Them, you're gonna love them. Yeah. If you don't like them, you're probably not gonna like <laughs> yeah, them. Like, right, and that's yeah. okay. And I think he's okay with that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so he's got uh, his latest album, Fee Way Bill Rides Again, and he it's still it's good, man. Yeah. It's really good. And uh, he, you know, his voice is a little more gruff maybe than it was <laughs> back in the day. Um. And but, we talked to him about how the guy on the cover does not look like the lead singer of the tubes. Right, He's got yeah. his flannel shirt and his Sam Elliott mustache. Yeah. Um, but then you hear his powerhouse voice, and you're like, that's Fee. That's Fee, yeah. So uh, I loved that. That was one of the things that I didn't know going in that that was him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I uh, and so and his hair slicked back and the thing. He's wearing sunglasses, so you don't, wouldn't immediately necessarily sure. recognize him. Um, but once I found that, I was like, dude, that's just the super coolest thing. Huge Bill and Ted fan. Absolutely. Uh, and actually, I, we should mention that you are wearing this San Dimas High School football shirt because one of our listeners sent it in. Um, Jack Nance from California. Thanks, Jack. Sent us some cool San Dimas High School merchandise. One of my favorite shirts. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, so, so he, he sent us a couple shirts that have Bill and Ted, and, and I have one that has the San Dimas High School football mascot. That's awesome. Um, and so, anyway, I think it's awesome. Um, anything I gotta, else? We I need gotta to... stump the genius. Oh man, let's How... stump the genius. Right, let's play me, the jingle, please. Ready to get stumped? Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right, this one is going to be a little different. I, I was trying to find a theme. Um, to I always try to top five theme for stump the stump the genius. This one is going to be fees, <laughs> cost to book your favorite act. Whoa. So I'm going to give you 10. You're going to run and write these down. Okay. So I'm going right. to give you 10 artists. I need to look okay. at 10 artists, acts, bands. Okay. Okay. Four of them are going to be under $50,000. Okay. The other six will be over $50,000. Okay. And I've actually got them broken down by like under 10, 10 okay. to 20. But just for the sake of this, I'm going to give you 10. Okay. And we'll just list whether you think they're over or under okay. $50,000. So right. different fees. Okay. Um, let me. Just, I'll check them off as I read them, so I read them in alternating fashion. Uh, David Archuleta, <laughs> Darius Rucker, okay, Disturbed, okay, Kings X, Edwin McCain. All right, am I going too fast? No, no, no. Jefferson Starship, okay. Duncan Sheik, Danny Gokey, okay. Daughtry, okay. David Gray. So I think that should be ten. Okay, David Gray, name I didn't expect on that list. All right. Okay, and then. I, I'll give you a bonus point if you can guess the two most expensive. Okay. I'll give you, so you have a possibility of 12 points. All right. I think you're going to do terrible. I'm the, just kidding. I, 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 we'll see. I think the most right. expensive on that list is going to be Darius Rucker. He is not the most expensive, Whoa. but he's over 50. Okay. So there you go. So you All get right. a point for that. Let me grab my bell. Thank you. Point for that. So one All right. point. I'll just run down the list. You're good. David Archuleta is under 50. David what? Archuleta is $50,000. Wow. Yep. So hang on. Hold that thought. Let's set the bar a little different. Okay. 30,000 and under is how okay. I'm sorry. He's in the 30 to 50 okay. category. My okay. apologies. So same concept. Okay. Under 30. Okay. So he's in the 30 to 50, but he's $50,000. Wow. Yep. So David Archuleta. Okay. okay. Right. So sorry about that. The baseline, the midline is 30. Okay. Because right. there's the one artist that's just over 30. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so Darius Rucker then is, so we missed Archuleta. is between 30 and 50. Are you telling me he's less than David Archuleta? No, no, no. He, Darius Rucker Darius is above. Is over 50. Above 50, okay. but under the biggest. He's not one of the two biggest. Okay, all right. Okay. But I'm still guessing 50, right? 30. Or over 30. Well, so, say okay. th- there's four that are under 30. Okay. Sorry about the confusion. I, I had one that I, I raised right. up in. Everybody, everybody paying attention at home? All so, right. Lots of numbers. Here we Disturbed. go. Disturbed. Where Disturbed. Where do we think they fall? Disturbed. I'm going to say... I, I think Disturbed is more than 30. Disturbed is over 30. Disturbed is $75,000. Wow. So they're up towards the top. Wow. Yep. Okay. So. All right. But they're not one of the two They're top. not one of the top two. Their Man. number, there are okay. three above okay. them. Darius is one of them, okay. and there's two more. Wow. That are All right. 
Uh, King's X is going to be under 30. King's X is under 30. Good job. King's X is actually the lowest on this list. Okay. At under 10. You can put that's King's a, X for under 10. That makes me sad. That's a freaking shame, Makes dude. me sad. A freaking so shame. They are the lowest let's do on it. this list. Let's, let's get them. How much you got? That's right. What let's, do you got on you? Patreon, we need your help. <laughs> we want Doug and Ty in our house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jerry, too. Okay. All right. Go. Uh, Edwin McCain, I'm going to say is over 30. He is not. Okay. He, he is under. I wow. <laughs> I thought if I guessed under 30, you would think I was just being spiteful. Just being mean. But no, he is not. He's in the 10 to 20 range. Okay. He's probably doing like solo acoustic shows for like right. Yeah, like so it's him. By, he, he takes a full band. He, he's. Uh, I saw him at. Um, I've seen him almost probably as much as anybody other than Sticks. I've okay. seen him well over ten times. Okay, um, wow. But yeah, he's he's okay. I, he does a great show. All he's all he sounds like to me is a one chord over a seven in the bass. <laughs> when you say Edwin McCain, that's what I hear. All right, go back and listen to our Edwin McCain <laughs> and episode and, of you. and our saxophone solo that you make fun of. You're <laughs> like, wow, listen to that. Anyway, all go right. ahead. Uh, Starship. So you've guessed, you've guessed five, right? You've guessed yeah. five of them. Okay. Starship. Yeah, I Starship. didn't even realize you could still book. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna. S- but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't get booked anywhere because they cost too much. Uh, I'm gonna say under thirty. You did right. Wow. Under 30, okay. Twenty thousand dollars. All right. Starship. Man, that seems worth it. Uh, Duncan. So we've got Starship and King's X in our house now. We're saving up for. <laughs> That's right. This is we're putting together a festival. We are. That's what we're, we're doing. Putting together. Uh, so the first guess- ever Great Song Podcast Festival. Holy cow! Oh my goodness! Holy cow! Oh, here we go! Holy cow! Yeah, that just happened. We could. I, 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 we're going to talk off air about you this. You can be a part of this, Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Duncan Sheik got to be under thirty. Duncan Sheik under thirty. Good oh, job. He's in too. He's in. Uh, so basically. Okay. Well, I almost said all, all the ones that we like, but Darius, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, okay. okay, so basically, uh, I'll t- so okay, the, so Danny Goki, are you is Danny over thirty? Danny Goki is thirty thousand dollars. Wow, he's in the topper tier. Okay, so I figured if if I hadn't given you, if you'd have guessed him earlier, you would have guessed under thirty. Yeah. So, are you telling me that the two most expensive on the this two list, most expensive, are the two you have left? Daughtry and David. Daughtry Gray. and David Gray, both over a hundred thousand dollars. Daughtry to book him. Two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars. Whoa! David Gray, writer of Babylon, a hundred to two hundred thousand. Holy cow! You can get dude. Darius Rucker for ninety five. At so that that da- is shocking. Darius cheaper than Daughtry and David Gray. I mean, I like David Gray a lot, but yeah, but for all intents and purposes, he's kind of a one hit wonder. Yeah. I realize he's bigger as an artist he's, than it has more of an impact than right, that. Yeah, but. Wow! Yeah, and and, and I uh, and again, huge in the UK. Yeah, huge in the bigger UK. Bigger than UK than and the year. I, and I uh, I didn't look at the year of this list, so you know. Yeah. But that was the most. I mean, obviously, right. it's recent enough where Danny Gokey's on the list. Yeah. So wow. Uh, yeah. So I'm anyway. coming home. <laughs> you can yeah. go home. Babylon. Dang, Dang. I, that just blew my mind. Something else I've seen within the last like few days. Literally about made me rethink what I thought about how big Daughtry is. Okay, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I saw something that was I was like, really Daughtry? I, I maybe I just don't get it. Maybe I have just missed that train or something. I don't know. Uh, but I whatever. Okay, more power to him. I guess. Yeah, to it. What's the big Daughtry song? Um, it's a. Uh, it's not over. It's not over. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay. All right. I'm going to time this time around. It's not a Wow. Okay. Yeah, Man, that's, that's really crazy to me. Something I did not expect to learn today. Okay. I saw Daughtry with somebody. It was a special guest. Oh, Richard Marks. He came out and did a song with Richard Marks. Oh, okay. At, but anyway. All right. I'm sure Richard didn't pay for him. And we're never going to talk about Chris Daughtry again. We don't have uh, Daughtry scheduled on as a guest or no, anything. No, no, no. But. but I tell you who we do have scheduled on as a oh, guest. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And that's Fee Waybill of the Tubes, who we're going to talk to right now. But first, go find us on social media. Make sure you're following us, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Great Song Pod. Join our Facebook group. It's a lot of fun in there. We get to interact with you guys a lot more uh, at Great Songs and the great people who love them greatly. Or you can just go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Great Song Pod. Also, if you want to be a part of producing the show, helping us to make this thing happen, keep this train rolling, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash great song pod. That's P A T R E O N.com slash great song pod. And you can support the show there. And in return, we can give you some bonus goodies like early release, uh, extra episodes, full blown exclusives, weekly bonus shows, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, and other things that we can throw at you. So, uh, 
make sure you check that out if you want to be a supporter of the show. If if you want to give us a cup of coffee a month, a, a frappuccino <laughs> a month can can be a huge help to us uh, because one frappuccino at a time from a bunch of different people really right. leads to something significant, and we appreciate it so much. And All we got to uh, we got to save up the money to do the Great Song Podcast Fest. Or Listen, whatever. the first annual Great Song Podcast Festival. <laughs> I'm telling you what, Dude. that was that was a we struck oil there with something <laughs> i don't know what but let me tell you, you heard it here first on the tubes episode let's a fee would do it come on i wonder what his fee is let's find out all right we're gonna go now to fee way bill of the tubes and we'll be back at the end to tuck you in this is the great song podcast ladies and gentlemen as promised we are here with fee way bill lead singer of the tubes mastermind of stage shows and <laughs> and uh and out outlandish production uh actor uh songwriter all all the multi-talented. things multi-talented multi yes multifaceted. fee thank you so much for joining us today on the great song podcast well thank you guys for having me it's my pleasure we uh, uh, there's so much we want to talk about with you, and we'll try to we'll try to keep it under three hours. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, okay. Why don't Why don't we start with um, Why don't we start with She's a Beauty? And if you can, now we're a we're a family friendly show. We're a PG outfit here, but if you can okay. give us a little bit of the backstory to the song and kind of tell us how it came about, um, and uh, that would be great. Just let our let our people know how She's a Beauty came about. Okay. Uh, well, uh, uh, th- it was uh, Outside and Inside was our, the second album that we did with David Foster. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of success on the first album. And uh, uh, I wrote uh, on the first album, I wrote Talk to You Later with David and a friend of mine, Steve Lukather, who is uh, the guitar player from Toto. Sure. And we'd been friends for a long, long time. And uh, wrote songs together and uh and so then when we got to doing outside inside um uh we we did it again the three of us got together and and luke came up with the lick you know uh just i mean the guy is a brilliant he's so brilliant and he came up with the music so quickly and uh and and david you know played keyboards and actually a bunch of uh 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 some total guys played on it um yeah great musicians on that album nathan east is on there bill champlay patty austin on backing vocals it's money yeah yeah bill champlin uh a bunch of people i mean and they were all kind of la people uh, that we had worked with before and really high-end players and uh nathan's you know great and uh they're all great and so we I, i i had um it's funny that the I, I i had the lyric and uh uh the the engineer umberto gatica uh he he used to say i mean not umberto i'm sorry david umberto was the guy who came up with the title for talk to you later he used to always say oh I'll talk to you later yeah. in other words don't bother me okay <laughs> uh talk to you later man and but David used to say beauty a all the time because he's Canadian. So he, <laughs> they, you know he would put a after practically every sentence. Nice. And uh, beauty a and uh, so the 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 idea for the lyric came from a an actual um, an actual instance. I was I lived in San Francisco at the time, and in San Francisco there's kind of a red light district you know where there's where there's you know prostitutes and uh massage parlors and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's called the tenderloin and uh uh i was staying i was i was walking through it on the way to a theater where we were playing called the Warfield Theater. And I think I don't know, I had parked a ways away and we were doing a sound check. It was during the afternoon at the Warfield Theater, which is kind of downtown San Francisco. Uh, and I walked by this, and they used to have these that they don't anymore. Uh, these kiosks. It's like a it's like a phone booth, only it's completely enclosed, okay, no windows. Mm-hmm. 
it's all solid and there's a sign at the top that says pay a dollar talk to a naked girl <laughs> okay all right i don't think we have those in in chattanooga tennessee <laughs> no. i've never i've never uh, seen one of those in real life yeah maybe not and uh, <laughs> so it's kind of a i mean it, so anyway, I I just kind of and I hadn't seen one before or or, or dealt with one before, and I kind of went, wow, that's this is weird, and so I put a dollar in. I I put in a dollar, and uh, the 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 screen comes down, and inside is a live woman, and she starts stripping. And and the the idea is to entice you to come into this massage parlor oh. for you know you know for a okay. massage and a happy ending uh, activities and, yeah uh, and uh, <laughs> and so she starts talking oh come on baby and blah blah you know very sexually oriented talk and uh, and she's she starts taking her clothes off. Okay, and she's before she gets to any actual nudity. I don't know how long it lasted, maybe a minute or so. It probably felt like 15 minutes. (laughs) Well, the screen comes back down. Oh, and, you know, she just just when she starts to undress and talk, the screen comes back down. Okay, and you've got to pay another dollar, (laughs) another dollar. And uh so I put in another dollar and the screen went back up and she starts, you know, and this girl is beautiful. I mean, she is gorgeous. And I'm just going, what, why? And I start being, you know, the good Samaritan. And I start going, why, why would you do this? You, you could be a model. You could be, you could, I mean, you don't need to do this. This is really, this is really low end, you know? Right. And. Of course, she completely ignores me and and says, "Oh, come on, baby, come on!" And she goes right back into her 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 sex speak, wow. trying to get me to go into the to the and telling me how cheap it is and how great it's going to be and 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 I'm going, no, you you should you're t- you're too good. This is crazy. Why are you doing this? And and I even offered. To, I said. I said you could be in our band. You could be a two bed. <laughs> you know, we that's great. You could be a two bed. We had at that time we had four girls uh, in the band. We had, not in the band, but we had these uh, four girl dancers in the show, uh, and we called them the two bets. <laughs> and uh, and they would do the choreography and and wear costumes and be a part of this whole theatrical presentation that we were doing at the time. And, uh, and, you know, I think, gosh, I think I put in four, four or $5. I never got to actual nudity. <laughs> it was always, I'll take a little bit off here. And then, wow. then there's underclothes and this, and then, and then the screen comes back down. Wow. Finally, I, before I saw any actual flesh, I <laughs> gave up and I just said, <laughs> And she never broke from her from her character. Wow. You know, talking, being the sexy girl, and trying to talk me into. I'm sure she got a commission on how many people she could get into the oh, yeah. damn massage parlor. Wow! Uh, and so I, I, uh, uh, and that's where I wrote. That's where I got the lyric from. Wow. And I kind of wrote a song about it. And uh, originally, the lyric was, "You can talk to a naked girl." You can talk to a naked girl, and and when I got into the studio and I sh- showed David Foster the lyric, he goes, "Well, you can't say naked, okay? <laughs> you can't say naked." That's I went. What do you mean you can't say naked? What are you talking about? He goes, no, you can't say naked. Change it to pretty. You can talk to a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, okay, a <laughs> whatever. A, that was a wise okay. move. I think it got more airplay because of such a <laughs> yeah, such an exactly. That he was thinking airplay for sure. So. Uh, uh, it's funny, you know, when we were when we went to go do the video for She's a Beauty, we there was a uh, this is another good story. Uh, <laughs> there was a movie that we loved from the 30s. I think it was 1939, and it was a movie called Freaks. 
okay. by a, by a guy named Todd Browning. And the movie was, it was about a sideshow of freaks. You know, there was the chicken, chicken woman, which was like a chicken with a woman's head. Okay. And there was a bearded lady and there was a sausage boy, which was, you know, a guy with, with a quadriplegic. Oh, and, we were laughing but wrong. Oh, uh, and, and the movie was, and it was about, you know, it was about, it was a love story about the guy who ran the freak show fell in love with the chicken woman. Okay. <laughs> so, it, was, All right. it was the greatest showman and, before the greatest showman was out. <laughs> yeah. And so we came up with this. Uh, and so we wanted to do a video based on, for She's a Beauty, based on this movie. And uh, we, uh, there was a, in Southern California way back then, this was like 82. Uh, back then there was a little sideshow circus um, that used to travel around Southern California. It was called the Circus Vargas. And it was like a, you know, it was like a Ringling Brothers only for 15 cents. Okay. You know, it was like, it was like a, a tenth of Ringling Brothers. And they had some, <laughs> they had some old decrepit animals in cages and they had these, you know, a little midway and they had like a, 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 a horror room and a mirror and the, it was all fake basically. Okay. But it was really seedy and we loved it. We thought it was so great. <laughs> and we arranged with them to use, to, to do a video on their, they had a, they had a, uh, they had a place, I think it was off season. They had a place in Southern California where they would store all their stuff. You know, they had a, a, a big acreage area where they would store their stuff when they weren't on the road doing their show. Mm -hmm. And and we made a deal with them and we were going to go to their thing and set up a, a little midway and a fake, a fake, you know, geek show. And we did this whole storyboard with Kenny Ortega, who was our choreographer and, and we had this really, it was so cool. It was so weird. <laughs> and, and we presented it to Capitol Records. And they said, no, no way. No way. <laughs> had to tone it down to make it a pretty PG, huh? With the Lexus. Right, exactly. <laughs> we were constantly being censored, you know. And I mean, I mean, when we started in San Francisco, uh, we, the, the girls, um, uh, it was a, a comedy troupe called Leela and the snakes. And it was this girl, Jane Dornager and these three strippers from Broadway on, in San Francisco. And they did this comedy show, which we thought was just great. It was really funny. And we incorporated them to become our two bets. And we would, you know, back then we would do like, I would do a Tom Jones bit and we'd, we'd sing. It's not unusual. Only the three, the the dancing girls that I danced with, they were all topless. <laughs> and in in San Francisco, we got away with that. I mean, You're nobody sure. even you, they didn't care. And then and then you know we try you know try that in Kansas <laughs> or try, try that in Tennessee. Yeah, try that in Tennessee. <laughs> that ain't happening. You're uh, uh, I, that's not happening. No. So we had just you know we had first they had to put on pasties and then they had to put on you know, uh, bras, and then they had to put on, like, actual, like, tube tops or something, and it just got worse and worse. Yeah, yeah we, around here, they'd be in full-on sweaters or something, yeah, I think. Yeah, would be like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> that skirt's above the knee? What in the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched your uh, 1978 documentary, and there's a scene where you, you bring the fan on stage and start giving away everything from the beaver fur coat to the trip on a jet and then alcohol and the baby's arm holding an apple and uh, right, <laughs> muscle man. Right. Nobody was doing what you guys were doing from a stage show um, perspective, and I heard that a lot of bands didn't want you to open for them yeah. because that's a really tough act to follow in terms of a stage act because of the energy yeah. and the organized chaos that you bring as well as yeah. fantastic music musicianship uh, from vocals yeah. to the car guitar no, yeah no our first tour nobody would you know i mean it was 1975 our first tour and we didn't really have a a, a hit or anything uh so we tried to to uh go out as an opening act and nobody would have us and they all knew their true reputation and they just went, no, no, I don't think so. And so we ended up having to go out on our first tour and play like little theaters and clubs and places where we could actually, in fact, the classic, the classic example is we were 
1979, we were booked at the Nebworth Festival in England. And the Nebworth Festival was like Glastonbury or something, you know. It's a big, huge, thousands and thousands of people. And and it was 79, and we hadn't had a hit yet. We hadn't had, you know, completion backward or, you know. And we were booked, and there was a there was Boomtown Rats. There was, uh, you know, uh, Nazareth. It was like eight bands. And the headliner was Frank Zappa. Nice. And he was the headliner, and we were supposed to go on right before Frank Zappa. And, and Frank Zappa came to us before the gig and went, "Dude, I don't want to follow you." Okay, <laughs> wow, you guys are you guys are too weird. And I, you know, you, you opened for Alice Cooper too, right? In that same vein. Oh yeah, we opened, and you know, Alice. Well, and, but Alice had his own big theatrical production, so uh-huh. he didn't. He wasn't intimidated sure. by us at all. And we played with Alice many, many, many times over the years, and on festivals. And uh, we just a uh, year before last, we went to the UK and did a bunch of big. You know, we played Wembley and these big, you know, 30,000 seaters with Alice. And and he didn't, you know, he's like I said, he's not intimidated. He's right. he's got a he's got a massive theatrical show of his own. Yeah, he was of and, the same uh, line. But if you can out and he, weird Frank Zappa, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You uh, you've touched a little bit a, a few different times on San Francisco and in the eighties. Um, I read a thing where you were described as San Francisco's finest. Now let's talk about what a compliment that is, because you know bands from San Fran in the eighties, Jefferson Airplane, Journey, Sly and the Family Stone, Steve Miller. I mean, those are big names. What's it Grateful like? Grateful Dead. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, what's it like to be considered San Francisco's finest in the eighties? Like that's the compliment of all compliments, right? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I, I don't know. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, the original. Fleet. I mean, there was, it, it was, it was, it was crazy. And but I mean, we had. Uh, I think during that time, you know, we had uh, a couple of big hits. You know, we had two big hits on Completion Backward, and then we had She's a Beauty on Outside Inside album. So we had a we had big radio at the time, and I think you know. Jefferson Airplane, you know, at that point, you know, had kind of was kind of past their peak. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it was nice. You know, I don't think we thought that. Sure. You know? Well, yeah, that's not you self-proclaiming. That's other people. <laughs> right. On you. That's, um, right. I mean, Journey sold, what, 75 million records. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we weren't in that kind of we're, that wasn't a ballpark that we could even approach. So <laughs> not only are you one of San Francisco's finest, uh, but you are also one of the three most important people in the world. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, for the uninitiated, that is the group of of three sort of enlightened beings uh, that Bill and Ted meet in uh, the serene future scene of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, a scene that right. I've always held as something really beautiful. Um, and it's it's just a special movie to me to begin with, but I particularly love that scene. Uh, and and it's the first utterance of be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Um, uh-huh. How did that role come about with you uh, and Martha Davis of the Motels and Clarence Clemens of uh, E Street Band and so many other things uh, representing, you know, presumably the best of futuristic humanity? How did how did that yeah. happen? <laughs> it was well, the way it happened was one of Martha's daughters was the girlfriend of a production assistant on the film and they and the and the 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 director i can't remember who the director was but the, they said uh we want to have we want to you know we want to have rock rock and roll people as this uh-huh. and 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 i guess they they got to clarence i don't know how they got to clarence but uh this guy knew that that this girl was Martha's daughter. He said, well, can you get Martha? And uh, she went, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. And so she called Martha and, and asked Martha, who else can you, who else, can you get somebody else? And I, I had known Martha uh, because she did a duet with us on Monkey Time. Yep. Oh, yeah. 
fun. Well, uh, my my kids. So I've Bill and Ted for my kids has been my entryway to be able to uh, uh, teach my kids about the tubes, uh, and they now think you're super cool because not only are you in Bill and Ted, but you also had a, a song on one of the Phineas and Ferb soundtracks. Oh God, yes, uh, so, right. Oh, so yeah. that uh, that cements you forever in the hearts of my children as a hero. So they'll be oh, tubes cool. fans of the next generation. Uh, cool for sure. And you've done all kinds of other roles too in Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, and yeah, we did the movie there that and that Kenny Ortega choreographed. Yeah, and, and the ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Stains movie with Laura Dirt and Diane Lane. So you guys, right? You guys have, you right, guys have done that it. was. That was up in uh, in Vancouver with Lou Adler directing. Yeah, I did that. And I've done a lot of theater. Uh, the, there's a little theater in uh, Augusta, Michigan, uh, it, which is like right outside Kalamazoo, Michigan. And they do summer stock every year. And I, since 1998, I've been going there, you know, every other year or so to do plays. And I've done, you know, <clears throat> Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror about a hundred times. Huh, that's awesome. uh, Makes sense. I love that. And then I did uh, King Arthur in the Monty Python musical Spamalot. Oh, Excellent. There we go. Oh, and that's such a great musical. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so great. I love that. That's probably the most fun I've ever had doing, doing a play. Uh, it's really great. And I've done a bunch of other things, you know, serious. I did a, a one called the civil war, a Frank Wildhorn play where I played the leader of the Confederacy. Oh. And, uh, uh, and of course, I die every show. <laughs> I, I, I die every show. We lose the war <laughs> again and again. And uh, Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Well, I've enjoyed watching your stage show progress through the years. I, I watched you live at the Wild Horse in 2001. You're still wearing the same mm. uh, Carnival Varker show. And I know that was 20 yeah. years ago, from the, almost 20 years from the original, and you still brought the same energy in 2001 that you did in 83. And I don't think it's the energy has been lost even in your newest project yeah. in Fee uh, Waywell Rides Again that came out in 2020. I love Faker with a driving guitar. But the guy oh, on the you. cover doesn't look like the lead singer of the two. To me, it looks with the flannel shirt and the Sam Elliott mustache. I didn't expect to. I didn't expect to hear the same uh, powerhouse voice, but yeah. you, you still got it. I thought this was oh, going to be a country well, album, you. but it, it kicked my, my butt. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, and there's even that that one song, uh, "Still You on the Inside." It's a very yeah. yep. country sounding song. Yeah. yeah, my wife. That was my wife. You know, she goes. Because, you know, she wanted me to grow a mustache, and I, I've never had a mustache. She goes, honey, it's so sexy. I really like the mustache. You know, you look like, you know, uh, Clark Gable. There we go. Oh, that's, that's the compliment of compliments. That's and I said, okay, okay. So, I, you know, I said, but Quaalude can't have a mustache. She goes, well, if you're not doing gigs right now, so what? as long as you're at home, you know, doing during this pandemic, you're wearing a mustache. That's awesome. So, okay, so I'm actually sporting a mustache right now. Uh, but, you know, the last, uh, uh, one of the great, one of the very last gigs we did before this whole thing came down was we played the Ryman oh, with, yeah. uh, with Loverboy. Yeah, that's, oh, that's right here in our backyard. Oh, man. What a theater. Oh, my yeah, God. Fantastic. Unbelievable. I mean, I was, I, I just, I, I didn't, the history there, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, when I went onto that stage. Well, I'll, I'll tell our listeners to make sure they pick up uh, Fee Will Bell Rides Again um, from 2020. Uh, my favorite track on there is Promised Land with the bass intro carrying the riff, and the guitars are so thick. So, um, oh, listener, cool. Listeners, go out and pick that up for sure. Um, I did want to ask you one more touring question that I meant to ask. You t Did you tour with Paul Carrick and Squeeze for a while? He's one of our uh, one of our previous yeah. interviews. Yeah. yeah. I would consider you all polar opposites of a stage show. So, like, I bet that <laughs> tour was was really neat. I bet that was cool. Well, it was it, we, it was 1979, and Squeeze opened for us for, I mean, gosh, I think we did more than 100 shows. We played all over Europe wow, first wow. and then came to the United States. And uh, uh, that was when they, were, they had the Cool for Cats album. And, God, they're so great. I mean, we loved those guys. And we just, you know, every night we just got just 
drunk out of our minds with those guys. <laughs> they were so cool. And I yeah, and still, you know, they are they're still out there. They're still playing Glenn, uh 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 Glenn got back together with uh with uh the other guy with the dark hair. I can't Glenn Tilbrook and uh I'm myself. I don't I mean, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but they're back and they're actually uh, well, they were supposed to. I don't know if it's still happening or not. Uh, my our management company, Wolfson Entertainment, also manages Hall and Oates, and oh, they cool. and they and they manage Loverboy. And uh, and last year, well, it got canceled in 2020. But Hall and Oates was supposed to go out with Squeeze opening for them. Oh yeah, and. That'd be fantastic. Uh, and I think I'm not sure, but there I know the Hall Notes tour has been rescheduled for this August, and I I should know this, but I don't know for sure whether Squeeze is still opening for them. Got it. Uh, but uh, oh yeah, they're they're you know. So something that is a great band. Something that's striking me as as we talk is that you you sound very much like you are still excited about music that you are still a music fan and not just a creator is there oh, who's yeah. out there right now that is really uh lighting your fire uh well my favorite band is Foo Fighters Excellent. Oh, that makes Rob happy and That's me right. not happy I'm not a Dave Grohl guy <laughs> it's but, I, really? but Rob loves him yeah. That's all I I I uh I met Dave Grohl in a costume shop years ago <laughs> and I was out, I was looking for costumes Shocker. and Dave was there. <laughs> you know, shockingly enough, uh, Dave, it was a, one of those vintage clothes stores out here in the Valley on Ventura Boulevard. And Dave lives in Encino and Dave was in there with his wife, Jordan. And I was, a, I mean, you know, and I saw him across the room and I had never met him. And I'm such a huge fan. I mean, he's such guts such a great rock voice and you know the screaming and the the gravel and and then he can sing ballads and um anyway i i walked up to him and i said dave you know i'm fee waybill from the tubes man i think you're so cool and oh my god i love your band and and so we became friends and uh you know i started hanging out and we went to his birthday party and <laughs> and awesome. then uh and then he asked me to sing on uh, "Wasting Light" the the two records ago. Oh yeah, uh, I sang "Miss the Misery," the background vocals on "Miss the Miss the Misery" on That's "Wasting right. Light." And then he actually asked me to perform with them. They played here at the Forum, uh, two nights at the Forum here in LA, which is a big like basketball, you know, like a twenty thousand seater. And so I actually got to perform with the Foo Fighters and. Uh, and their new record, uh, I, th I think it's called Miracle at Midnight. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, just came out. Yeah. Oh man, there's some great songs on that record. <laughs> it's really good. I, I, and they haven't had a record, you know, since whatever Sound City Sonic Highways yeah. was the one before. And uh, uh, shame, shame. I mean, there's some good songs on that record. So that's you know, if I had a, you know, if I had a. Uh, you know, if I had to say who's my favorite band, I mean, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, JP. But it's all right. It it's, makes Rob real happy. He's over there. It's fist a Foo Fighters. Loving life, really happy. Yeah, I so, love it. So, I love it. So, so he likes that. Well, right. uh, we didn't get to talk much about White Punks on Dope because we ran out of time. I did hear somebody say that that song was ahead of its time because they thought the song was titled "White Pumps Are Dope," like the uh, <laughs> like the, the tennis <laughs> shoes. Uh, yeah, it was about shoes. That's yeah, right. That's right. You're yeah. way ahead of your time with that one. No, you've been you've been great, Fee. Thank you so much for your time. One question that we ask everybody before you get off, um, the, okay. off, the, off the call. You're on tour either as a solo project or with the Tubes, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine, um, so you can think of your answer. I would get a Three Musketeers bar, because when I was growing up, my mom said you could have any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces. It's like one of the bigger ones. So most <laughs> okay. bang for your buck. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Beef jerky. Okay. Oh, excellent. There you go. There you go. That's what, I love beef jerky. I know it's got, like, tons of nitrates and whatever, <laughs> and, you know, uh, 
Uh, but you know, that's that I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much. Out here in in California, you can get, you know, this organic beef, organic grass fed (laughs) beef jerky. I wouldn't even do turkey jerky. Like if I'm going beef jerky, I'm going beef jerky, right? You don't want healthy jerky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, really. It's kind of a a conundrum, you know, organic (laughs) grass fed beef jerky. No, no. I want the greasy fatty <laughs> i want the real thing forget that sustainably sourced back forget that right you, you gotta provide the nutrition for that mustache you gotta fill it up <laughs> yeah it up. really man. really i gotta keep eating beef jerky but you know That's it awesome. does it it is it is uh it is really good oh but and, and now uh what they have i mean there's so many now there's i don't even know there's so many. Usually, usually I would get like two or three different brands and you know, taste test <laughs> you them. Sample them all. Well, Why we, not? Why well, not? Well, we love your passion for music and your passion for jerky. So this has been <laughs> great, Faye. If you're ever in oh, Nashville, man. look us up. Next time you come back through, whether you're playing the Ryman or the Wild Horse or just my backyard, give me a jingle and we'll... Uh... All right, JP. Rob, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you so thank much. You, okay. Have a nice day. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. That was Fee Waybill of the Tubes. Uh, in I figure he's at this point in his life, and and knowing that he's coming on a family friendly podca- podcast, uh, he that was probably about thirty percent of Fee, oh, yeah, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but great time. Really enjoyed getting to talk to him, and I think he had a good time as well. Um, and we hope you guys had a good time. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday, Fee. Happy birthday, Fee. Love that we got to kind of shine a spotlight on him for some people who may not exactly know uh, him and, and have a history with the tubes. Um, I know I've become more of a fan uh, in doing research and all this stuff, so I'm really glad that you pulled this one out and and brought it to my recollection because uh, otherwise I might have forgotten this song forever. And, 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 and we're trucking along through eight, guys. Boom. Season eight. Season eight rolls along, and it's all, you know what, for the season finale, the season finale is just going to do – going to be the first annual great song podcast festival <laughs> well, i'm just live straight live it dude, yeah live i'm just i'm just calling it now dude um you know what if my impressions can get good we might be <laughs> able to just pull it off, pull it off right. by audio if but i can work on a few impressions we, we got we able. know we can close with aaron neville aaron neville john anderson that's right gonna make schedule to appear shaggy shaggy uh, will be you know, there that's so great i think we can i think we might be able to that's do good. this we've got at least three headliners <laughs> <laughs> All right, season eight rolls along, and we'll be back next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.